Welcome and thank you for connecting with us at Parkwood. Here at Parkwood, we exist to glorify God by laboring together for the growth of all believers while going with the gospel to all peoples. You can find more information about our church at parkwoodonline.org. By visiting our website, you will be able to learn more about Parkwood and our mission. Join us as we grow together through the teaching of God's Word. Well, I invite you to take a Bible and turn with me to the fifth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. In our study through at verse 27, and we'll work our way through verse 39 this morning. So Luke chapter 5, verse 27, I invite you to stand as an act of worship. This is the Word of God. After this, he went and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. Everything he rose and followed him. And Levi made him a great feast. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them. Need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And they said, Disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. And Jesus Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable. No one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on a because he will tear the new and the piece from the new one will not match the old. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and it will be spilled and the skins will be destroyed. New wine must be put into fresh wineskins. Drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. Let's pray. Lord, help us now to make sense of this text. It's crucial. It's understanding of the fundamental Christianity. Give understanding to everyone who is here. Call those who do not know you to yourself. Encourage your own with your word. We plead and pray in Christ. Today we recognize Palm Sunday. This is the day that Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Mark records it this way. And those who, and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the So this great celebration as the acknowledgement of Jesus, the promised one, the king who is making his way into Jerusalem at the beginning of what we call who is celebrating. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But just in a matter of days, crowds will gather again and they will scream, crucify him, crucify him by many what changed from Palm Sunday to Good Friday. Well, Kyle Eidelman has written a book. He calls it Man. 
And he seeks to draw a distinction in this between the difference of being a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. This is what I think. Palm Sunday gives you evidence that there were a lot of fans, but Good Friday gives you evidence. So I ask you today, are you a fan or are you a follower? And this text directly to you. It's, it's going to separate those two things out in your life. Here's the main idea today. Christ calls sinners to follow him in repentance. What happened for us is Jesus' outreach to outcasts continues, but he moves from people who are physically handicapped or issues to the social outcast. We see in this association with sinners, an association that he often initiates and particularly does in this text. Even sinners who are judged by others to follow him. He calls them to discipleship. And in doing this, Jesus is rewriting the social lines that divided people. Jesus goes giving sinners to openly associating with sinners. Here's why. The mission of Christ requires more than casual with people. Jesus must come into contact with sinners because Jesus Christ calls sinners to follow him. In verse 27, it says, he went out and saw. Now this word means glance or his, not glance, he fixed his attention, his eyes purposely on Levi. He doesn't just glance at him and just look over and say, oh, there's a guy, Levi, sitting at a tax booth. He's a tax Now, right away in the original audience who would have read Luke's gospel, immediately that meant this man's an extortioner. He's a robber. He's dishonest. He gives you his name. Chapter 9, verse 9, he's identified as Matthew. Now many think, just as Simon was called Peter, the rock by the Lord, his name changed, Levi was named Matthew, gift of God. If so, Ken Hughes says, this was divine poetry because the covetous rip artist, rip-off artist, which his name suggested, a gift of God to his people. You have Levi, this hated tax collector, sitting at his tax booth. That means he's doing his job. He's doing his job just like he did it every day. Sitting there doing his job, minding his own business, taking care of what he's supposed to do. Jesus is glance on him and says to him two words, just two words, follow me. Further explanation. There's no evidence that there was any further explanation. He said to him, follow me, 28 says, and leaving everything, means he left the money at the booth, he left, he left it all, he rose and followed him. Levi's life is reordered. Connected to verse 32, when we come to repentance, the idea of turning from our sinful way and turning to Christ, 
repentance and leaving everything to follow Jesus. These are one and the same. This means that Levi walks away loyalty that would compete with his loyalty to Christ. And certainly being a tax collector and taking advantage of people competitive job to that of so he leaves everything and he followed him now the language of greek is is much more clear than the english language and in the language followed him means in the moment it means lasting manner that levi followed him now if you look back in chapter 11 jesus calls his first disciples their fishermen, and they had brought their boats to land. They left everything and followed him. Same language, same idea, leaving and following. But I do want to here. The fishermen who leave everything and follow Jesus could have went back to fishing. Levi the moment he got up and walked away from that job, would have never been allowed. This was, as for both of them, a drastic decision, but it is even more drastic for that of Levi. I just, I just, when you hear this text, are you receiving this? Are you seeing this as something over there? something that happened a long time ago that's kind of old-fashioned Christianity or that was with the disciples. I think a mother that I read about in the description of her daughter coming to Christ, she said to her, quote, I'm becoming a Christian, but don't let it rule your life. I've heard something like that countless times. I've even heard parents from this church say something like that to their children. I just want to say to you, if that's your mentality, that's not Christianity. That's being a... That's associating yourself a little bit with Jesus, but not truly understanding what it means to follow Jesus. We are called just like Levi. We are called just like the fishermen. We are called to leave everything and follow him. Of super spiritual people. It's a description of the follower of Christ. It is a description of a Christian. So we press on now as we come to verse 29. And here's what we see. That Jesus Christ calls sinners to follow in joyful repentance while inviting others. Levi made in his house. Levi wants to celebrate his new life and he wants to celebrate the one whom he has become associated with and one who is following his friends to Jesus. And there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with them. That means with Levi, with Jesus, and with the disciples. A, a group group of tax collectors, or let's just say it this way. There are a bunch of sinners there. People that the religious leaders would have commanded people to 
So remember last week, the leper would say unclean, unclean. You get around him, you were considered unclean. Well, if you hung out, if you went to this party and reclined at the table with tax collectors, you were unclean. So that begs Jesus there. Why is he there with these people? Is he just trying to be radical? Is he just trying to make a statement? Here's what Jesus is communicating, that isolation is not the call. Holiness, yes. Isolation, no. Jesus willingly and specifically associates himself with sinners. Now, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of that day differently. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples. Now notice they don't have the courage to say it to Jesus. They say it about Jesus. Why do you eat and drink with and sinners? Now this is, they wouldn't have shown up at the party. They wouldn't have made themselves unclean enough to go in and ask the question. They're waiting till after the party is over. So here's what they're asking. Why aren't you practicing with these sinners? Don't you know you're you're not allowed to be around them. Here's what they believed. Now, I want parents of this local body to hear me when I say this. They believed in salvation. We don't have a student ministry here to get all the holy kids from Gaston County together. I just want that to be heard clearly. Our student ministry is a gospel ministry, just like our We're not trying to fend off the heathens. Church signs bother you. They drive me insane. Celeste is afraid I'm I'm just going to pull over and start throwing letters off the sign. This supposedly showed up on a church sign somewhere. No shirt, no shoes, no salvation. I can tell you Pharisees and tax collectors, I mean Pharisees and scribes are running that church. Two weeks ago, a group from our congregation were out doing evangelism, and they met a man who has lived a and he gave a good and long hearing to the gospel and may have believed. But when he was invited to join them for worship, here's what he said. His arm. He said, I won't be accepted at your church because of the way I look and because I don't have the clothes to wear. Now, you're free to wear whatever you desire to wear. If you want to wear dresses and coats and ties, that's up to you. If you want to wear blue jeans and your shirt untucked, that's up to you. We just ask. And that's the way it needs to be. People should not hear from us, no shirt, no shoes, no salvation. They should know that this is a place to come and be freely accepted invited in regardless of who they are or where they come from. Brothers and sisters, it is so easy for a church to become a self-righteous subculture, subculture that has absolute sympathy for sinners and doesn't want to be. 
Now, here's what they're asking. These Pharisees. Jesus, if you're such a holy person, why are you mixing with So Jesus turns the discussion. And he explains to them with an illustration and then a mission statement. He answered, those who have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. This, that Jesus is telling the Pharisees that they're well. He's not at all telling them that. What he's saying is someone who is sick is who needs a doctor. Doctor wouldn't see you. This has been a dilemma in the medical community over the last year. You wonder how many people are struggling now with chronic illness because they weren't allowed to go in and see the doctor. And if you talk to any doctor, they want to do their job. They oh, you sick people stay away. That's what they made an oath to do. Now Christ did not did not stay from the sick, and the sickness that we have is. And it's not a pandemic. In other words, it's all over the place. It's endemic. Endemic means you get it. There's no avoiding it. There is none righteous, no, not one, no, no one seeks God. Romans 3, 10, and 11. No one means what? No one. There's not a person in here who is righteous. person in here who no other person in here who on their own seeks God. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Jesus says to all of us, I have not come but sinners to repentance. This is his mission. He alone can save sinners. We cannot save ourselves. Now, this is the core issue between Jesus and the Pharisees and the scribes. They believed in self-salvation. Religion just gives you a little leg up. It tells you what to do. You do that, and then you're saved. Jesus says, no. That is not how you're saved from sin. You're saved from sin through Christ and through Christ alone. Now, this requires, though, that we must see ourselves as sinners, and sinners must repent. We must our former way of life, Turn to new life that is in Christ. Christ called you to repentance. He did not sanction you to continue in some form of touchy-feely forgiveness. To himself. Repentance, they heard. Oh, now they're going to get him. Jesus won't talk about repentance. Repentance. The disciples of John often fast often, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink. All right, Jesus, you want to talk about repentance, then why aren't you fasting? Because people who are really sackcloth and ashes and they fast. You're here at a party and you're talking to us about repentance. What? Don't you understand that that's what ought to happen? That you ought to fast? Ought to pray. John's disciples did that. The disciples of the Pharisees to do that. So Jesus said to them, can you make way the bridegroom is with them? 
Now, I get this image. All right, so you know, I had one daughter get married January 2nd. Well, my second daughter, Mary Claire, she got engaged a couple weeks ago. Two weddings in one year. I got a great idea. I asked at the wedding. Amen. Just saving all kinds of money. Every time I read this this week, I'm thinking, that's a great idea. You know? <laughs> Here's what Jesus said. Who wants to go to that kind of wedding? Huh? You don't. You want to go to a celebration where there's, where there's and dancing and where you want to go. And Jesus said, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and they will fast in those days. What Jesus is alluding to here is his death, his arrest and death on the cross. And in that, that's going to bring... It's also been interpreted to mean that, that, that fasting should be a regular consideration of believers now as we await the coming of Christ, as we long for his coming. But I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, Right now, March 2021, when there's so many negative things going on in the world, though we long for his coming, so though we say, come, Lord Jesus, I want to remind you that the bridegroom is still with his people. He never leaves. So I'm going to pick up where, where, where Pastor Chad left off in 1 Peter at verse 8. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe. And rejoice with joy and filled with joy, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So let me just say it this way. When we, there are serious moments. There are, there are moments that we give ourselves to prayer or even prayer and fasting. But the overall mark of the gathering of God's people when they come, Ought always to be joy. Those should be struck with what is going on in the hearts and lives of his people. You see, joy marks the life of believers because of what we have been given. It says that Jesus Christ calls sinners to follow him in a new and living way. And he gives two parents told them a parable, but there's two here. So let me try to explain them because I don't expect your context 2021 makes you understand a, a first century No one tears a piece from a garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new and the piece from the new will not. Now, most of you in this room, maybe not most, probably had patched clothes my whole life until I was a teenager my knees were patched in my two pair of blue jeans a year and you wore holes in them your is on that's just the way life worked now the patches would never last forever because there was one an, a new kind of fabric was put on an old kind of washed and dried it and washed and dried it Loose. That's what he's saying here. You take a new piece of fabric, put it on an old piece of fabric, and the new fabric's going to tear loose. Mark, Mark 2.21, Mark explains it very clearly. He says, 
an old garment. If he does, the patch tears away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear is made. So it makes matters worse. Now keep that in your head. Next illustration. No one puts new wine into old wine skin would have been made likely out of a sheep's skin, a piece of leather, sewn to, turned inside out, sewn together. The wine was placed inside of that, and that's where it was kept until it No one puts new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed, but new wine must be put in fresh wine skins. So here's what he's saying. You pour the old wine out, try to put new wine, it's going to burst. Here's why. Because when you put the new wine in there, it ferments. It expands inside of this wine skin and it bursts the wine skin. So you lose the wine skin and you lose the wine because it spills out on the ground. Then he says, no one after drinking old wine desires new for he says the old is good affirming this, he's explaining something. There are some of you in this room, that don't give me the new stuff. I like the old stuff. I'm used to the old stuff. The old stuff tastes good. Don't give me something new. Some of you have never tried it, but fried chicken and mashed potatoes, because that's all you know. That's good, and you'll just stick with it. That's the principle here. So Jesus is saying some people are so mired in a mindset that clings to old and rejects the new, that they are rejecting what Jesus is doing. Not to say, I like the old. Some people still say that. But here's what's popular today. You find your way to God, I'll find my way to God. Now, I might choose an old way because I like You might choose a brand new way, something nobody's ever tried before. Is you choose yours, I'll choose mine. Now, old versus new is not the core issue. It's not that something new is better than something old. something deeper. And this is what Jesus is getting at with the patch and the wineskin illustration with the people. Here's what he's saying. That the old refers to the pattern of what's called the old. In the old covenant, God gave his you keep the law. If you break the law, then you sin. So you either keep it, if you break it, you sin. Nobody breaks it. So now we're in a dilemma. Then he makes these promises. These promises that there is one coming. There's one who is coming who's going to set his people free. Jesus is the fulfillment. He kept the law perfectly, and he fulfills the promises of God. And in that, Jesus has established the new covenant. So he didn't come to put a patch on the old. Jesus on the old, it's going to rip. He didn't come to add some new into the old receptacle. Because if you do, it'll burst and you lose both. Jesus knew and lived. Hebrews says in chapter 10. And he's not just simply the new and living way. He is the only way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. There is no way to the Father except no way. 
It's only through Christ. Now I want you to turn with me to John chapter 10. One of the things John is consumed with in communicating in John is the exclusivity of Christ. Jesus is the only way. That's why John contains all these I am statements. In John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find good pasture. The thief is going to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Shepherd, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Christ laid down his life for us. He didn't say, I'm the perfect one and you come. He said, you are imperfect, you are sinners, so I am going to life in your place for you so that now you understand in my resurrection, I have the full authority to call you to follow me. Here's my question. Am I joyfully hearing and heeding Christ to follow him? Later on in chapter 10 and verse 27, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. That explains why all the Levi is, follow me. That's it. Because the sheep hear his voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out. So to follow means that you are more than a hanger on. You're more than an admirer of his good works or the things he has said. It's not that you just superficially give assent to what he, he, he has taught. More than that, to follow Jesus is to abandon your previous way of thinking and living. It is a radical conversion from all that is sinful and evil, and it is an commitment to Christ that we follow him. So I ask you where I started. Are you a fan or a follower? And I, I just want to say this as clearly This age is making it clear. The fans of Jesus are going to quickly fade away in a world more hostile. Were you paying attention this week? Or Roberts shouldn't be playing basketball because they believe in Jesus and what the Bible says. That ought to sober you. That's the world you're coming about in. And, and these fans, these we like Jesus people, are you a fan? Are you just for him or are you following him? I heard the gospel when I was 13 years old and I believe converted, but not. I was a senior in high school and I heard a message very similar to this. And at the end, they sang an old. And the words went just like this. With me, 
I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. That day, repentance swept over me. And from that moment, I cannot remember following Christ. I have sinned, but I cannot remember not following Christ from that day on. Now, let me tell you what happened. I went out the back of that little sanctuary, and there was a And I sat down in that stairwell by myself, and I wept bitterly. And I'm going to tell you part of the reason why. It wasn't. And I want an explanation. But I knew sitting in that stairwell what I'd left behind that day. I needed loyalty. And that day, I laid them down. And the words that were in me, because I was an extremely social 18-year-old, though none go, I still will follow. No turning back. No turning back. That is the call of Christ today. He called Levi. He didn't call Tim. It's Christ calling you. Because his sheep, hear his voice, and follow him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the word. Thank you for speaking. Thank you for speaking to men and women. I pray that those who would confess that they're sinners in need of Christ would confess that before you today, that they would turn from their sin and trust Christ alone and follow you. Those, Lord, who are confessing followers of Christ. Maybe today is a day of repentance like it was for me. And again, afresh and anew, you need to say, with me, I still will follow. No turning back. No. Lord, lead us. Lead us together that we would do what this song heeds us to do, to turn our eyes to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith.